It's episode 13, Lucky 13 of the Desert League. Coming up next. To subscribe, go to Apple Podcasts and search Desert League. Here we go. Episode 13 of the Desert League. The Lucky 13. The Steve Nash Memorial Edition, number 13. The Desert League, episode 13. I'm Ward Andrews, here with Sean Fitzpatrick. How are you doing tonight, Sean? I'm doing great, Ward. How are you doing? It's been, oh, it's been, a, been, a, been a little while since we talked. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a cold winter's night up in Phoenix, Arizona. It is about 56 degrees. I'm out on a walk. A nice crisp evening. How are you doing in Tucson? Oh, probably a little bit cooler down here. Uh, we've had a we've had a few weeks to reflect on uh, the happenings in the Arizona sports world. It was a lot hotter the last time we talked, and Wildcats were a lot hotter, and Sun Devils <laughs> were a lot colder, and now it seems like uh, the world has gone completely upside down. Uh, I agree. I agree. We're going to start off tonight. First time ever on the Desert League. We're going to start off with the ASU Sun Devils. We're going to talk about this basketball team that is now ranked fifth in the country under Bobby Hurley's direction. They just went into Allen Fieldhouse. They just beat KU by 10. They dropped 95 points on them, ran them out of the gym. ASU seems legit. Um, I don't know, Sean. How do you feel about Bobby Hurley's team? Well, you got to, I mean, as we've established previously, we're both diehard Wildcat fans and we are accustomed to giving very little airtime to the Sun Devils. But I have to say they, as you said, they are legit. Bobby Hurley's legit. And it looks like, looks like he's well ahead of schedule as far as bringing a, a real rivalry to, uh, to our fair state because, now he finds himself in the position that Sean Miller and the Wildcats were in at the start of the year. Only difference is they've earned it. Exactly. I've got a big fat red circle around December 30th, Saturday, December 30th, 7 p.m. Arizona time in McHale Center. Sun Devils could come in undefeated. Arizona likely will not lose going into that game. Probably both teams are going to be in the top 15. ASU could be number one by then. And that is going to be a battle royale in the city of Mecca, in McHale <laughs> Center. Well, and, and Bobby Hurley has said, you know, famously when he, when he came to Arizona, he said, you know, you can't, you can't win Arizona unless you go to Tucson. So you got to think that all the Sun Devils are, are chomping at the bit right now. And yeah. They have a legitimate shot. I caught the end of that Kansas game and some pretty amazing guard play, uh, pretty unflappable in a in a really tough house, you know. I mean, obviously, Mikhail always gets, you know, gets jazzed up for, for the Sun Devils. But uh, when you consider the fact that the opener is going to occur while the students are still away, and it's over the Christmas break. It's it's not as big of a home advantage as you know the Cats are used to having against the Sun Devils. Yep, yep. And I think some uh, some fair weather bandwagon Sun Devil fans who are going to come out of a slumber 
since 1974, when I think it was the last time they were decent, they're going to come out and go down to Tucson and spend some Phoenix money. I was looking on StubHub before we started, and tickets are going for about 400 bucks. So <laughs> wow. it's going to be interesting in there. It's going to be interesting in Mikhail. Uh, well, I'm looking is, forward to it. Yeah, and, I, and, and this is great. I mean, this is great for – you know, the Pac-12, it's great for, um, you know, the Arizona-ASU rivalry to get a real basketball rivalry going. You know, I may not be, I may not be saying that if, you know, ASU drops a 10-point, you know, finish on Arizona and McHale. But, um, you know, it's kind of fitting having, again, yeah. having Bobby Hurley, one of the most, uh, one of the most hated figures in, in Arizona basketball when he was at Duke. I mean, it, it, the storyline just plays out so perfectly. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is, it is a friendly rivalry. And I think, I, you know, I've got to think that Sean Miller does like the fact that he's going to have some real competition. Oh, yeah. He loves it. He loves it. So here, here's the one thing to think about. Uh, I'm going to give ASU a little more love, and then we're going to turn it a little bit. So first off, he's running the three-guard lineup, Bobby Hurley is. They're playing open and free. Guards have a ton of autonomy in this offense. It really reminds me of like a Lute Olsen-style team, if you think about it. Uh, but here's the deal. I'm looking at each of these wins for ASU, and I'm looking at who they're playing. And they've played a couple of brand names that I think are having down years. And I don't think they've played against the likes of a Raleigh Alkins on defense. And I don't think they've played against a team with the kind of size Arizona has. So I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a walk in the park for ASU. I think they could get ambushed in Tucson. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, what's funny is I I remember seeing the cameras cut over to the bench during that uh, during that KU game and and seeing um, you know the warm up shirt with guard U, and it 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 seems like just such a blatant ripoff of point guard you which is what arizona's been going with for so long so i'm, I'm gonna give them a little bit of i'm gonna hassle asu and, and bobby hurley and those guys a little bit for kind of ripping off the you know i the, agree the, the wildcat theme but um but I, yeah. I i i agree with you i i don't know what they're gonna do to match up against size but the other thing too is over this next you know next couple games that Arizona plays before uh, you know taking on ASU, the defense has really got to improve because with that speed and agility and that guard play, I mean they could just slice and dice Arizona's defense. Right, and they will, and that's their that's their trademark move. They're going to go to the hole all game long, and they're probably going to be able to get inside. And uh, the thing is, though, when, when I look at those shirts, guard you, ASU's defense is not good. I mean, their T-shirts could say, we can't guard you. <laughs> All right. I, I mean, do you really want to get in a track meet with Arizona? I don't know. Like, it should be good. It could definitely be one of those rare occasions in college basketball where both teams hit the century mark. It could be one of the best high offense games you see of all season. Very exciting oh, after- game, December 30th in McHale. Well, yeah, and, and you know, to your point, uh, Kansas was coming in. I think, I think that ASU loss was uh, their second straight loss because they, they'd lost uh, right before the ASU game. And 
I know Bill Self was uh, in the po- in the post game conference was you know really going off on his team as the softest team he's ever had. So I think I think that you know KU's also suffering from a little over rankitis a la the Arizona Wildcats. Like you said, the brand names kind of get stamped with the seal of approval and then get knocked from their perch. So, um, but I'll tell you what, going in, you know, going into the foreign territory and beating them by 10, it certainly gives you a nice little jump as, as ASU did. I think they jumped 10 spots to move up to number five. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that, you know, between now and then. But, you know, the same token, Arizona's kind of gotten, you know, their wake-up call. They got their cold water uh, splashed on them in the warm water down in, in Bahamas. And, you know, they've – that, you know, that win against Alabama was legit. And more importantly, that win against Texas A&M, the Wildcats pulled off. Not a neutral court, as it will be listed, because it was, you know, it was in Phoenix. So definitely, you know, home crowd – advantage but texas a&m at the end of the year is going to be one of those you know one of those teams standing during march madness that's right that a&m team i went to the game at talking stick arena in phoenix it was definitely a pro arizona crowd and uh, that was a tough win texas a&m has some big guys skilled big guys and they're going to be there near the end in march another thing i want to say about that game the texas a&m game a shout-out to the GCU, Grand Canyon University fans. They were in it to win it for Arizona. They were cheering, going crazy, supporting the Cats. So I want to give a shout-out to the GCU Havoc student section <laughs> for representing. Those guys are insane. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I know Sean Miller's given uh, GCU fans some love, too, especially, you know, the way they the... – and there's – there's a lot of excitement and passion that uh, you know that uh, Marley's got going out there for you know for uh, for the antelopes and uh, you know Arizona just um, I mean DeAndre Ayton in that game um, you know really stepped up and then just continued that in that Alabama game where he had his biggest night you know of his career 29 points 18 rebounds. And I, th- I think they're finally – the Cats are starting to realize, okay, here's how we work him in the offense, and here's how we make space for him so he can do what he needs to do. Yeah, yep. And when you get him going and you got Raleigh Alkins getting in there distributing, you got Trier on the wing, you got basically a PJC or a Barcelo wide open for three whenever you want it in that offense. This team's going to score points. It's really a question of can they consistently play Sean Miller defense. Now, one thing that has become painfully obvious to me, and it's never really been before because I wasn't watching, but Dusan Ristich cannot play defense. (laughs) And Texas A&M just featured him. Whoever Dusan was guarding, that's who got the ball. And they just exploited it all game long. And then I watched this Alabama game. They did the same thing. And Dusan is such a liability on defense, I'd never really realized it. But it's kind of an auto bucket, whoever he's guarding. And he's so bad on the screens and the rotations. And uh, I I just wonder if they're going to have to keep him on the bench and actually play Raleigh at the four and really start to tighten things up. 
Well, I think I think what they're going to do is they're just going to keep pounding on Dusan and say, "Dude, you you've got to improve your defense," you know, because you know Sean Miller is quick to point out defense is all about effort, and you know he he may find himself sitting on the bench if Sean Miller doesn't feel like he's getting the effort, you know, because he's you know he's made it clear that if you're not if you it doesn't matter whether you're a you're a lottery draft pick or you're a walk-on player. If you if you play hard, play well in practice, you get to play. Yep. Yep. So that's the that's the plight of Arizona. Can they regain their confidence? And really, how are they going to do against a super hot, super talented, three-point bombing machine of a team from Arizona State? It's going to be an awesome matchup and we'll probably have another podcast before that game to give a full preview but that is one to look out for now well, and I, and I'm, well I, I'm just going to interject too that um, don't don't overlook those those games like right before Christmas or you know traditionally the game right before Christmas ends up being a place where the cats will stub their toe often and the cats are going into New Mexico and going to the pit. Of course, yeah. you know New Mexico's great point. Not, New Mexico's not having a, a great year, but this this could definitely be an ambush game. I agree. Uh, and the Yukon game's not going to be a cakewalk either, right? And and in fact, the Yukon game, if I'm not mistaken, and please correct me, I believe the Yukon game is is the last game before Christmas, or is that after Christmas? Uh, I don't have the schedule in front of me. It's before the ASU game, though. Right. No, it's before the ASU game, but we we typically have a big problem with that last game right before Christmas. You know, you've got these kids and they're thinking about, uh, you know, visions of sugar plums dancing in their head. And next thing you know, there's, you know, visions of L's in their head, you know. Uh-huh. Dropping L's like stockings, hanging them on the tree. <laughs> there you go. You have to save yeah. that one. Whew. You have to save well, that one for about... Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, let's switch gears. I want to talk about ASU-U of A. I want to talk about the football game. Uh, ASU managed to pull that one out, although um, there were some nefarious dealings that went on to help that happen. And then after that happened, poor poor uh, Graham Cracker, he got, uh, he got fired so that ASU's AD could bring his buddy in, uh, the Hermanator. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. That, Hammer and uh, Herm. Yeah, Herm, you know. You play to win the game, baby. Um, interesting thing about Herm is uh, I don't think anybody told him uh, who the mascot was for ASU. Did you see this press conference? I, I saw that. So please go on. Yeah. So uh, so one of the guys from Devil's Digest asked him a question. And, he, and, you know, he was asking Herm. He says, Herm, I'm from Devil's Digest. He goes, Devil's Digest. He goes, be careful of them devils. I'm a Christian man. And uh, and the Devil's Digest guy is like, oh, there's devils everywhere. And uh, it became painfully, embarrassingly obvious that Herm had no idea that he is now a devil himself. <laughs> and that he was wearing Satan's pitchfork right there on his shirt. <laughs> well, you know, with Herm, you're never quite sure. You're never quite sure if he's just like having fun or if he's, you know, if he's yeah. If he's really not knowing, but he, he can get into his own space and get going there. So, yeah. 
Yeah, that's good. But you know what, what's what's interesting is really the there's only one reason there's a difference between the situation Rich Rod is in and the situation that Graham found himself in. What and is that? his his name is Khalil Tate. True that. <laughs> yeah. True. That. And it just comes down to there's there's hope amongst the Wildcat faithful because we're able to fall back on oh if if Khalil hadn't gotten injured we would have won the game and then we got robbed by getting a touchdown called back and and it's not our fault and if anybody other than Khalil Tate you know had been the 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 primary quarterback for this team this year Rich Rod I can guarantee you would be right, if not on the verge of being out, be on the way out. Yep. Because Amen to that. Khalil Tate is that much of an impact player. But you know the funny thing, not only is Khalil Tate great, but he actually symbolizes all the reasons why you would want to have a Rich Rod as your coach. Rich Rod's the only guy that, that recruited Khalil as a as a quarterback. It's it's Rich Rod's system that accentuates the amazing skill and ability of Khalil Tate. And it just goes to show you that Rich Rod can win with his system, with the right talent in place in his system. With a Heisman Trophy uh, candidate running the (laughs) offense. (laughs) Essentially. But I will say that Rich Rod's system makes Khalil Tate a Heisman candidate. That's that's fair. Seriously. Seriously, when you look at the way Rich Rod runs his read option attack and the way he's developed his playbook, he's developed it around a player that is just like Khalil Tate, which allows Khalil to have the gaudy numbers that someone of his skill set deserves. But if you put Khalil Tate in the wrong system or you misevaluate him as an athlete or as a wide receiver or as a running back, you aren't going to get those numbers. That's just my opinion. No, I I agree with you. And, and you really do have to applaud, you know, Rich Rod and the other coaches and how creative they got to create opportunities for Khalil. And and if you look at the first half of that uh, U of A ASU football game, basically ASU said, hey, you know what? We're going to stack the line. We're not going to bite on any of these things. Um, that you're going to try to do to get Khalil free. We're going to just, we're going to stay at home. And the only way you're going to beat us is with these short passes, you know, uh, you know, up the field yep. that we're going to, we're going to dare you to do it. And so Khalil and Arizona said, okay, we could do that. Yep. And had the game firmly in hand. I don't, I don't buy into the criticism that, you know, has been going around Wildcat nation like, why do you burn so much time off the clock? And then you do the Hail Mary at the end of the half that gets Khalil injured. That's that's classic Monday, you know, Monday morning uh, quarterbacking, you know, because who who can really even predict that something like that is going to happen on a Hail Mary play, like any more than any other play you've had? Yeah, I agree with you. And I agree with you that the game was firmly, firmly, firmly in command with Arizona just dominating. 
and just really eating the Sun Devils alive. But I'll tell you, when uh, when Dawkins came out in that second half, everything, body language, energy, morale on both sides of the ball, like shifted, polar opposites. And ASU just turned it around so fast. So fast. Oh, yeah. Even, you know, even when, even when we were, when Arizona was pulling things out and, you know, hats off to Dawkins for, you know, an impressive touchdown run and, and the cats definitely scrapped, but, but you're right. They didn't have that kind of intangible, you know, magic feeling like, Hey, we, we're going to, we're going to find some way to pull this out and, and win this thing. Right. It was, it was just like, man, we, we had this thing under control and now we're just flailing to just stay, yep. stay even on the field, you know? Yep. yep. I will hand it to Dawkins. That one play where he ran for a touchdown was a thing of beauty to watch. In fact, he was such a magician and I was sitting in the stands right about where the line of scrimmage was. And I thought he'd handed off the ball. Like it magically disappeared, but it was still in his hands. Next thing mm-hmm. I know, he's sprinting to the end zone. So that was truly a special play that was well sold. Everybody oh, it in was... the stadium didn't know where the ball was. Yeah, it was, so... a, it was a beautiful, beautiful fake. Yep. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, like I said, the – the one thing that, and I'm saying this having worked in the University of Arizona Athletics Department, marketing department, the one thing you have that's gold going into next year is the fact that Khalil Tate is your starting quarterback. And you can sell a bunch of season tickets by telling people, hey, you don't want to miss, you know, the Heisman, the preseason Heisman candidate, you know, the guy everybody's talking about, Mr. Electric, you know, oh. who's going to be here for a full season. That's you're gonna right. wanna you're gonna wanna be there live. So I think I think there is an opportunity to sell those tickets and does it soften the blow of losing to ASU? Well, maybe. Well, you know, let's see what Khalil does in this bowl game against Purdue. I think he'll have enough time to get healthy. He could run for three hundred plus yards in that bowl game. And if he does, I think you've got basically a highlight reel um, season ticket selling reel that you can use for the next season. That, that's that's a really good point because uh, I'll tell you what I, I don't I don't care about this bowl game. I mean I, I hate to say it. I mean I will I will watch it. I will root for the cats. I will be happy. But when we when we lose to ASU, I feel like okay, who cares about the bowl game? Like okay, yeah, we we won the bowl game but we lost ASU. I mean, that's just the way that I've been born and raised. But to your point, I think the the biggest thing that could happen in that bowl game is a showcase for Khalil Tate because that's going to be huge just from a financial perspective for the uh, for the University of Arizona Athletics Department because they really, really need to sell football season tickets next year because yeah. this year was – was not a success by any measure as far as turnout. I mean, Greg Hansen's documented it. Everybody's documented. Even when we were in the hype, you know, of Khalil Tate, people were not coming out. So we're going to need that. And there's going to have to be a lot of TV ads showcasing, you know, him stomping on some, some boiler makers in order to get people jazzed. Yep. 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 And I think that'll happen. 
You know, the last thing I wanted to just talk about this ASU UVA football game, because there was another play that I had a perfect vantage point to see. And it was really one of the more disgusting plays I've ever seen. And it really illustrates the fact that you have substandard officiating in the Pac-12. Now, I know a lot of coaches talk about it, a lot of fans talk about it, but this call did change the dynamic of the whole game. So Arizona's down 30-35, and they receive a punt, and uh, I think it was Shun Brown, and he, he goes right, and, and both, play, both teams all kind of huddle right, and they're trying to tackle him, and he reverses field. And he's way on the other end. He's, he's way on the uh, west side of the field. And he sprints horizontally toward the east side of the field and sprints so fast that he outruns every other player on the field in doing so. And then he starts to turn it upfield. And there are two ASU defenders who are, who are kind of in the vicinity. They probably aren't going to catch him, but it's going to be close. And Arizona has blockers who solidly hit these guys in the shoulder and knock them down. Not one, but two, if you watch the replay. There are two guys that are knocked in the shoulder down. And Sean Brown runs down the sideline and scores a go-ahead touchdown and changes all the momentum of the game, except for the fact that a Pac-12 official saw a legal hit and chose to change the trajectory of the game in the season and throw a flag. All the replays, all the angles show it was a block in the shoulder, not a block in the back. It was just a devastating game altering call. And, and now, you know what, who cares? Because ASU's got the territorial cup. They've got the win in the record books. No one will remember that essentially Arizona broke that game back their way with one of the most amazing returns I've ever witnessed to be called back on a chump call by a Pac-12 official. I'm, I agree with you completely. I, you know, I've, I've seen the replays and I know that uh, Rich Rod talked about it, um, you know, as much as he was able to. And, um, you know, it's, it's really sad when that happens, but like you said, nobody's going to remember, there's not going to be an asterisk in the, you know, in the record book. And, you know, the truth is the way that game was going, I mean, ASU had no business even being in that ball game. So, you know, you kind of, I, I, I somewhat console myself in saying that the fact that ASU was even in the lead at all, or even in the running was already a loss for Arizona, you know, and yep. it, it, the way the game was going, it just seemed like even if, even if that touchdown had counted, then ASU was going to come back and find another way to. I don't know, but we'll never know. So we'll give the Sun Devils that. We'll give them the. We'll give them the top five ranking, and we'll look to December thirtieth to see if the Empire can strike back. Oh, quick note. Quick dominance. note. So I, I just checked the schedule because here at the Desert League we do like to uh, pride ourselves on accuracy. So it's it's the Cats at New Mexico in the pit um, this Saturday, and then uh, Monday, December eighteenth. It's it's home against North Dakota State, which uh, better be an easy win. And then we've got December twenty first, Thursday, the last game before Christmas, which is UConn, 
And that tends to be the big ambush game is the one right before Christmas. Yeah, that one's been tough for Arizona historically. And you know UConn's going to come in feisty and hungry. Well, yeah, and they have, you know, they have a tradition. They have a legacy, you know, despite, um, you know, you, you, don't, you don't hear UConn being dropped, you know, as a name the way that they, you know, they used to be. But, um, you know, they, they have a lot of pride and a lot of history. So they're, they're, and they're used to playing in tough arenas, right? Yep. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the Phoenix Suns. Just a little bit about the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> okay. So here we have one of the worst teams in the league. Who now one has, of the? <laughs> technically, they are not the worst team in the league. Okay. Like if you look at the if you look at the schedule, if you look at the standings, somehow the Sacramento Kings have one less win than the Phoenix Suns do. So now the Suns lost Devin Booker to an injury. And uh and then they went out and they played the Bullets. Well, the Wizards. I still call them the Bullets. The Washington uh, Wizards. You, who you're so lost, politically incorrect word. I know. Who had <laughs> lost John Wall to an injury. So you have two teams that are professional basketball teams that are not going to make the playoffs and don't have their fireball star to, to get them motivated. And essentially what you're left with is a bunch of guys going through the motions almost like a scrimmage where no one really cares. And I went to that game and just thought, this is some of the best NBA. No, this is the, about the worst NBA basketball that I've ever seen. It was embarrassing. Turnovers, lackadaisical passes, people checking out on defense, just bad basketball. And I had just seen college, a good college game. I had just seen Arizona A&M in the same arena. But I will tell you, the caliber of play, the passion, the noise level of the fans watching that college game in the arena was 10 times the amount of power and excitement that these woe is me, terrible NBA franchises going through the motions looked like in the arena. Very sad. Well, well and, and the Suns are getting openly mocked by the sports, uh, the national sports talk shows. I don't know if you, you may or may not have caught either. I think it was either Sports Nation or Highly Questionable where they did a whole segment making fun of the Suns. And I can't remember who they were playing, but in the clip, essentially – um, they don't on, on like three consecutive attempts at their basket, the opponent shoots, the Suns do no rebounding, like literally yep. don't even move for a rebound. The opponent gets the ball, takes another shot, misses nobody for the Suns even attempts a rebound. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's just, open mockery on the suns right now and then not to mention um you know the suns go to go to philadelphia and you know their big man gets schooled down there in in philadelphia as well and it's just like every every time i i turn on sports center it's just another mocking of the suns that's right and that's accurate i was at the it was that bullets game where the suns didn't rebound three consecutive times in a row i saw it i saw it live I'm pretty sure it was that game. And, and if it wasn't that one, they did it in that game. 
Well, you know, so, the, what, what's more telling, yeah, what's more telling is if it's happened more than once, because they, they've, <laughs> and, and, and the other thing, you know, we, we were there for that Houston Rockets game, uh, you know, sitting there yeah. in, the, in the second row, nice seats, by the way, um, you know, sitting there with, uh, with your son, Max, and, and his friend, and, and we're telling the kids, it's like, hey, guys, you may witness NBA history tonight. It looks like the Houston Rockets might break the NBA record for scoring. And I've never, I've never seen a team drop points the way that James Harden and, you know, and the Houston Rockets were, were just going to town. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, that was a well-oiled machine, a D'Antoni team with talent. Just rolling the Suns. That, well, that was you, fun to watch. Well, you, you yeah, and you know that Dan Tony loved that. You know, come rolling yeah. into his his old stomping grounds and just just showing them what's what. And I think most of the Suns fans, longtime Suns fans, actually appreciated it because they're like, you know, it's Sarver life. All the talent, coaching, front office, players—they all leave Phoenix. So we we still cheer for all the guys that used to support the franchise. <laughs> That's how bad it's gotten. Well, yeah, it's it's become like the Phoenix Suns alumni tour. You you go to a Suns game to see somebody who used to be a Sun, and cheer for them, and, and yep. you know watch them you do laugh, well. But that happens. So let me tell you how bad it's gotten. I mean, we're talking about the Suns, who are nine and nineteen, and one of the only teams in the league, maybe the only team. Well, I think in the East, there's probably a worse team, but the Sacramento Kings are eight and eighteen. They play each other tomorrow night and you know ESPN has a matchup predictor where they kind of predict what the score or who the outcome will be despite the Suns having a quote unquote better record they have only a 44% chance to win now that's despite the fact that if you look at the team stats the Suns score 10 more points a game they, uh, their field goal percentage is slightly better. Their rebounds are six more per game. Their blocks are more per game. But it doesn't matter because the Suns right now are two for their last eight and just sliding into oblivion. Yeah. Well, and as you look at the standings, the only solace is that – there's more than one team that's doing worse than the Suns. You know, you've got the Grizzlies down there, and the Mavericks are taking up the very bottom of the heap. Uh, and well, and then over in the Eastern Conference, you have the Bulls and the Hawks, who are just you know completely abysmal. And somehow, miraculously, my my San Antonio Spurs, even without Kawhi Leonard for most of the season, are only three games out of first place with a 19 and eight record. I wonder what yeah. the difference there might be. Maybe good coaching. Oh, maybe <laughs> good ownership. There's yeah, a lot of things going wrong for the Suns. But okay, well let's uh, let's talk about the uh, the mighty Arizona Cardinals. Uh, their defense really came to play against the Titans this weekend. The offense was sketchy at best, but they were able to have enough possessions and enough field goals and enough plays to pull out a nice win at home. So, good job, Cardinals. Uh, the yeah. Game that it, was the most entertaining to watch in the NFL, I thought, was the uh, Bills-Colts game in the snowstorm in Buffalo 
And uh, it was funny. My son was watching the game. He's like, Dad, the snow's blowing sideways. I'm like, yeah, that's a snowstorm. <laughs> that's that's what happens in the rest of the country where they have actual weather. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. The Bills somehow completed like a true touchdown pass in the middle of a snowstorm. And, and then uh, the Colts had got a, a rushing touchdown. So it was 7-7, end of regulation. It went to OT, and somehow the Bills won. So well, I'm really impressed by that. Well, you know, that, that actually um, would be a killer promotion for the Arizona Cardinals and actually might give them an advantage because really the only thing that, um, you know, the NFL requires is that both teams play on the same field. So the, uh, hear me out here. The, the Cardinals could have basically a snow game where they just make a bunch of snow there in the stadium. I like and, it. And th- think about it. And this would be very similar to what baseball teams do, where if you've got um, if you've got a fast team, you cut the grass shorter. And even though the other team also has the same advantage of the grass being cut shorter, um, or, or actually I have that wrong. You 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 leave the grass a little bit longer so it slows down the ball. And, you know, so your guys can beat out infield singles, which was, you know, a practice for a long time. So this is a way that you can mitigate the fact that you can't, you know, you can't pass the ball because you're doing a snow game and you basically just have to kind of slip and slide around. And, you know, I think it evens the odds a lot. And plus, people come out just to see the snow, snow in the desert. I like it. I like the novelty of it. I like the the fake artificial i mean if you can have artificial grass why can't you have artificial snow because you're yeah because you're right that 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 buffalo indianapolis game that that's the way football's supposed to be played you know that that's that's frozen tundra lambeau field stuff you know monsters of the midway although to be fair i think the really authentic football games are the sub-freezing ones where it's so cold that it's even too cold for snow and it's like the ground is just rock and <laughs> and guys are chewing up pieces of turf. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, is there anything else worth discussing tonight, Sean? What's on your mind? Um, well, I, what was actually on my mind was that even though there's been a break since, you know, our last Desert League, there's there's something to be said for having some perspective, you know, because if you think about if we had if we had kept doing a desert league podcast for every week, you know, between I think I think we had like two weeks, like a two week break before we did this one. Just just think of the roller coaster. And, and this is something that really happens within all sports media and I guess all media is everybody with the yo-yo of whatever's happening that day or that week. And nobody has perspective. And it was interesting going into today's conversation because we haven't done this in a few weeks, you can actually step back and go, wow, look at the way, you know, Arizona's fortunes have changed or ASU's fortunes and look at the parallels between basketball and football. And you don't necessarily get that when you're just rushing through and saying, okay, we got to do another broadcast. So I think it's interesting to 
it, it's almost like a more of a magazine type of approach to to looking at uh, at these sports. Yeah, I like it. You know, if we had just been broadcasting every week, we would have just been so caught up in this cats being lost in the Bermuda Triangle, and you know, where's Raleigh? And is Sean Miller distracted by all of the the FBI stuff? And is DeAndre Ayton really that good? And then you just, you know, you just look at it now and you're like, yeah, DeAndre Ayton, yeah, he is that good. He'll be the number one pick. And no, the Cats weren't lost in Bermuda. It was probably the best thing that could have happened to a team full of freshmen to wake them up. And, you know, you just, you do. You have that perspective off of a little bit more time, a little bit more focus. One thing that I noticed is that Sean Miller really is one of the best college coaches ever. The fact that he was able to flip this team from playing no defense to playing pretty solid defense in the matter of a week or two is incredible. I mean, they're playing pretty good defense. I'm watching these games, and they are working hard on defense. They're moving their feet. They're shutting people down. They're shutting down really good players, and they were not. It was just like a, a cakewalk through the lane in the Bahamas. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, uh, and Sean Miller would be the first one to say this, is still have a long way to go on defense. But I, what he's really been looking for is that fire and that passion. And and I think that's one of the reasons he's he's so happy that Raleigh Alkins is back is because even though, you know, Raleigh didn't, you know, he didn't like light up the score sheet. He he brought a, a very needed intangible back to this, you know, to this Wildcat club. And, you know, you're right. If, if, if we're sitting there kind of going with the ins and the outs from week to week, it's like you lose perspective of kind of what the overall, what the overall goal and track is. And I think Sean Miller is really good about, and I do really like his quotes about, you know, talking about um, the conversations he's had with his team where, you know, you get done with the game and the guys are going, I want to go home and, and watch my highlights on Sports Center, and he says, "Guess what? When you're not in the top 25, they don't show your highlights." <laughs> it's like I've got a newsflash, and so he's he's good at kind of keeping the big, the long term perspective, and I think that's a big part. Of it comes from where he says, "You need to do this every day in practice because if you're not doing it in practice, you're not going to do it in a game." Yep. Yeah, I really loved his assessment of, "Hey." <laughs> Guys, you're not you're not on ESPN. You're not in the top twenty five. <laughs> you know, and yeah. just because you put on an Arizona jersey doesn't mean you're going to be drafted in the NBA. Yeah, as you know, as we've seen, is at the at the end of the day, you have to earn it, and you know, nobody knows that better than Sean Miller. And you know, that's that's where you you have to keep your eye on the short on the short term, and that's one of the things I love about, you know, Arizona basketball is how they're always focusing on how are you going to win the next four minutes? You know, and they keep track of, you know, these four minute increments, but it's all in order to accomplish a long-term goal, you know, and that's a discipline that's really, really necessary. And uh, yeah, I think, I think the best thing about, you know, having a lull between podcasts is looking at all the ups and downs and thinking of all the stupid things that I would have said that that were wrong in the in the other podcast that we would have done, but now because we didn't do it, I sound like a genius. 
So are you saying we should only do the broadcast like once a month, Sean? Oh, I'm not saying that by any means. I'm just I'm just saying I'm just <laughs> I'm just I'm just grateful we didn't do it because I know all the things I was thinking that I was going to say if we had done a podcast before that would have just made, you know, the previous podcast me look like a complete idiot. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think it's been an outstanding evening of discussion of various Arizona sports. And we're coming up on about 45 minutes, which I think is a nice amount of time for a podcast. So I think we should call it. However, yep. I do think we should predict the bowl game. I think we'll oh. probably I think we'll probably have another podcast before the bowl game. But just in case we don't, let's predict this uh, Arizona Wildcats, Purdue Boilermakers, Foster Farms Bowl. The Foster Farms Bowl. Is that is that chickens? Are those chickens? Foster Farms? I think so. Okay. So yeah, we're gonna have maybe after you know, maybe after the hundredth hundredth point fans can throw a raw chicken onto the field. A raw Kinda chicken like, leg. Yeah, yeah, raw chicken leg, like in hockey, you know, when they throw the the oct- yeah. is it octopuses, octopi. Octopi. <laughs> it's like cacti, <laughs> octopi. <laughs> Maybe. Got it, got it. So yeah, so what 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 are you calling for the uh, for the Foster Farms Bowl? Well, I do think Khalil Tate will be healthy, and uh, therefore Arizona scores fifty. I don't know, <laughs> fifty six points. I'll say Arizona fifty six, Purdue thirty five. That's so weird because the number that came to me in the, you know, this is my clairvoyant, just like letting my mind go. The, the score that came to me was 55 to 31. Okay. Well, maybe we're onto something. Let's go with these numbers and see what happens. I'm, I am perfectly okay with a non-dramatic bowl game yeah. where we just, where we just blow them out of the, out of the, you know, That's right. off the field. I think this is a Khalil Tate showcase game. And uh, I'm looking forward to watching it. I am too. If you are, I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. Happy day. <laughs> cool. Well, this has been Lucky Episode 13, the uh, Steve Nash Memorial Edition, number 13. Uh, we miss the, you, Steve uh, Nash. We miss you. We really miss you, Steve. <laughs> Believe me, we miss you. Maybe you can come Maybe. back and coach. Oh, he wouldn't want to coach under a Sarver regime. Remember, you have to remember who was the GM during some of the Nash years. The Steve Kerr. Everybody left. Nobody wants to be part of a Sarver organization. Well, I think it's uh, been pretty indicative. The track record has continued. Yep. It's just a slide of talent, a slide of, of wins, a slide of everything. Well, I, and, uh, I will. I will give a wistful wave as I, as I walk by the silent uh, talking stick arena, um, oh. on game day, and and wish the Suns well. Yes, yes. So this has been the Desert League. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, go to Apple Podcasts and search Desert League. If you'd like to leave us a message, you can do that. Get the Anchor app. And look up Desert League in the Anchor app, and you can actually leave us a message. We'll play it back and answer any question you ask 
during our broadcast. We only, I think we've only had like one person ever take us up on it. But it doesn't matter what the question is. We will answer it. That's our promise. So get the Anchor app and ask us a question. Ask us a bowl question. It's bowl season. Sean and I can talk all day about the college football bowl landscape. <laughs> so anyway, this is Ward Andrews, Sean Fitzpatrick, episode 13 of the Desert League. I hope you have a great weekend and bear down. Bear down.